We've talked a fair deal about Canada's national security policy and foreign policy and, you know, exactly where it stands and are we headed in the right direction. There's some concerns that a lot of people who analyze this have, and there's more and more indications that Canada is not in a good position when it comes to foreign policy and national security. Um, we're going to chat now with Paul T. Mitchell, who is a professor of defense studies at Canadian Forces College. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Pleasure to be here, sir. So we're going to chat with uh, about the, the AUKUS, I think is how it's pronounced. Anyway, it's Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States forming this pact, um, and Canada not being involved, New Zealand not being involved when you talk about Five Eyes. But let's just define, what, what, what is this pact? What is the agreement these three have come up with? So the pact is ostensibly about uh, technology sharing on uh, nuclear submarine uh, reactors, um, uh, essentially, the, the United States uh, providing uh, that kind of technology to enable um, uh, Australia to, uh, to, to uh, uh, acquire and, uh, and use um, SSNs with, with that American technology in it. Okay, now the fact that Canada is not included in this pact, uh, in your opinion, in the piece that you put together, it's just another example, really, of Canada's slipping status, right, on the international stage and, and where we fit in geopolitically, it's, it, we're, we're going in the wrong direction. I think there's been concerns on the part of uh, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the U.S. Uh, over, over um, Canadian uh, commitments to the international order uh, for a number of years. Um, and, and this is just an instance uh, uh, demonstrating that, uh, that Canada really isn't being considered a part of the, the developments that are underway in the Asia-Pacific right now. So what are the concerns that you think they have? Where has Canada sort of given them the wrong impression when it comes to being involved on the international stage in recent years? I think the, the, the slow role that we've had in terms of um, addressing uh, a number of the uh, procurement uh, challenges that ca- the Canadian Armed Forces face in, uh, over over the, the recent years, uh, the the slow decision to uh, to determine what kind of fighter is going to replace the CF-18 uh, is is an important one. Uh, I think there's been concern about the status um, uh, in terms of our Navy uh, and our ability to to, to keep that one uh, modern, um, and uh, certainly. Uh, the uh, the 5G decision over Huawei, uh, which is not a defense issue but a, a national security one, is 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 something that I think has been sparking concern, particularly in the United States. So, it's just an overall impression that Canada is really not serious about this. We're not engaged in this. We're not taking this as seriously as we should be. Well, I think you know it, it's it's interesting that the piece is really not necessarily aimed at at a um, government policy so much as it really is a problem within the country yeah. itself, and yeah. that can, Canadians themselves don't take uh, security policy particularly seriously, um, and the government follows their lead. Uh, and this is true whether it is a liberal government or a conservative government. We've seen the same sort of effect. Uh, the the uh, Harper Conservatives had uh, the opportunity to replace uh, the CF-18s while they were in power, in fact, while they were in the majority, uh, and, and failed to do so. And I think that's part and parcel of the fact that most Canadians, when they look at the Canadian Armed Forces, don't really see the need to invest seriously in, in uh, uh, many of the high-end capabilities that, it, that enable it to operate in international operations. They They basically look at it and say, you know, Canada is surrounded by three oceans and a superpower, and, and that effectively is enough security 
uh, to, uh, to, to, to guarantee our, you know, our place in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've sort of taken for granted our position being, you know, direct neighbors to the United States and sort of just relying on them to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, but it seems to me like the United States has had a change in, in posture around this, and they're not interested in being that global policeman anymore. And I'm not saying Canada's going to be invaded or anything, but um, we need to be more responsible for our own national defense. Uh, you know, and the F thirty five or the or the whatever the, the the fighter is that gets chosen uh, is is a great example of that. Um, most people look at it and think, "Well, this is something that is uh, going to be used primarily overseas," and that may be true. Uh, but uh, our northern frontier we share with Russia. We have NORAD obligations to that, mm-hmm. uh, and our ability to patrol that northern frontier independently of the United States Air Force is something that's really, really important. And that's a high tech environment. Uh, even if all we're confronting up there are, uh, you know, uh, bear bombers uh, from from the 1950s, uh, they're increasingly supported by uh, a variety of information and cyber uh, types of technologies that enable them to probe our defenses. Uh, and we need a really sophisticated fighter, uh, even just to patrol the northern frontier. So even if Canada were to adopt a more standoff policy. Uh, where we would say farewell to all that. We're going to be, we're going to mind our own, um, you know, our, our own uh, uh, borders uh, and let the world go where it may. Uh, it would still require significant um, uh, updates in terms of uh, both the uh, the Air Force and particularly the Navy. How do we get that message through to Canadians, though? I think you're right. I think, you know, politicians will do what the uh, electorate wants them to do. And it just seems like Canadians are not engaged in this. Yeah, I, I that that's that's a terrific question, and I'm not really sure what the answer uh, to that is. Uh, uh, I, I I'm kind of convinced that that it's going to take a significant uh, disaster uh, to take place that illustrates just uh, the importance of of uh, investing in defense, and and secondly, uh, the, the 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 consequences of of failing to do so uh, for Canadians really to understand that. So I'm I'm a little bit pessimistic that a message really can be crafted. Uh, but uh, it's important for uh, the, the uh, defense analyst community every now and then to remind Canadians that, that they can't take their armed forces for granted. And, uh, and if they don't invest uh, in it, in it uh, over time, then it won't be there for them when they really are going to need it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody expects that to happen. Like you said, we, we are well insulated in a lot of ways. But um, just take a look at contrast us with Australia, which I think when it comes to the China situation has really gotten in there. And, um, you know, they're taking some hits. There's no question economically, but they're, they're showing some pushback. And they seem to be more involved and, and more aware of the changing geopolitical situation. Is that a path that we could follow? It's it's interesting, and Canadians really uh, like to compare compare themselves to Australia often in terms of security and defense. Uh, I mean, we're similar sized countries. Uh, our economy is a little bit bigger and a little bit more diverse than than what Australia's is, um, and and we we have a common cultural background in in terms of the uh, you know our roots to the United Kingdom and and the close cooperation uh, of the Five Eyes. Uh, security ar- arrangement, uh, but uh, Australia is really in a very different geopolitical situation. It is out there on its own. It's far removed from its allies, and in its own history, it has been twice uh, abandoned by its own strategic sponsor, the United Kingdom, during World War One and World War Two. 
uh, where uh, the the UK had to focus on uh, the events that were going on in the European continent and, and really left uh, Australia to its own devices yeah. during the Second World War. That kind of experience really shapes a security dialogue within within a country. Uh, and I think Australians understand in a way that Canadians don't uh, the need to invest in their military and to make sure that they it, their military is capable of doing a lot more than just the kind of niche operations that the Canadian forces is, is slowly evolving towards. Um, and it's interesting when you go to Canberra, uh, right in front of the uh, their Ministry of National Defense is a gigantic memorial to Australian-U.S. Uh, 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 defense cooperation um, that dates back, you know, to the Second World War. Essentially, um, you know, it would it would be uh, it's unimaginable that we would ever put up su- a similar type of uh, of uh, acknowledgement in 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 Ottawa or anywhere else in 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 our country. So Australia's geopolitical situation really. Uh, is different from that of of Canada. We're more like New Zealand, which some people call the dagger pointed at the heart of nowhere. Uh, it's really hard to do anything to New Zealand in terms of you know invading it or or you know bombing it or, or things like that. Uh, and and uh, you know in essence, why would you? Uh, at the end of the day, what what would be yeah. the point? Uh, but but you know and and so Canada is a lot more like that. And it's interesting, you know, the security dialogue in New Zealand and and uh, Canada is very much similar. The New Zealand military is much more focused on on uh, peacekeeping and special operations type type missions. It actually got rid of its fighters uh, about two decades ago, uh, and and only uh, in its air force, uh, its only sort of um, you know uh, offensive capabilities are in the maritime patrol uh, aircraft that it that it deploys and some some helicopters. Um, so so it's it's interesting, and and I think you know in in some ways a lot of Canadians look at at New Zealand and say you know that that's where we should be headed, but again we are not in the middle of nowhere. We have the Arctic. Uh, the Arctic is undergoing significant amounts of, of uh, change because of uh, the changing climate. Um, and a lot of uh, uh, partners or a lot of, lot of uh, countries around the world are increasingly interested in, in the Arctic. Uh, and so we're going to have to pay a lot more attention to that particular region. And again, that's going to require a significant investment uh, in terms of our Air Force and in terms of our Navy uh, in order to assure, uh, you know, ourselves that that our our sovereign territory is protected, uh, and that there aren't, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, countries that that are uh, seeking to uh, abuse our, our uh, yeah. lack of attention. Yeah, exactly, Paul. Uh, great discussion. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Paul T. Mitchell, a professor of defense studies at Canadian Forces College.